Welcome to Speaking of Beauty, a podcast from Cosmetics Design, where we feature meaningful conversations with experts, insiders, and entrepreneurs about the business of personal care, cosmetics, and fragrance. I'm your host, Deanna Utrusky, editor of CosmeticsDesign.com. And I'm Jennifer Holmgren, the CEO of Lancer Tech. Can you talk a little bit about what Lancer Tech is and how the company got started? Absolutely. So we are a company that takes gases. So you're used to the fermentation of sugar, right? That's how we make beer. Sure. And what we do is we ferment gas emissions. So like we go up to a steel mill or a refinery where they have these waste gases that normally get combusted and end up in the atmosphere as CO2 and pollution. And what we do is we don't let them do that. And we have a bacteria that eats them. So what we do is we prevent the gases from going out we compress them and put them into a bioreactor and we have a bacteria that converts them to ethanol. That's what we do. Is this then a proprietary bacteria that Lanzatech developed itself? So actually it's a natural bacteria, but we have optimized it. And we did that by using approaches like you would with a plant, you know, directed evolution where mm-hmm. you, you kind of get it to naturally go in a certain direction. That's how we did it. So uh, we've optimized it so it can do this conversion of these gases to ethanol in a very efficient way. Are there plans then for Lanzatech to also perhaps use captured carbon to create other sorts of molecules uh, beyond ethanol? Absolutely. So we started with ethanol because that's the easiest thing for this organism to make, for this bacteria to make. But our goal is really to make everything you use in your daily lives from waste gases. So we have figured out how to make isopropanol, which is used, for example, for plastics, polypropylene that you would see in furniture and other things. We have learned how to make acetone. So you can imagine headlamps in a car. We've learned how to make polyester. So, you know, you can, you know, wear... Uh, apparel made from recycled carbon. And so that's really what we want to do. Our view is that we should keep fossils in the ground and we should only use all the carbon that's already available and floating around either our atmosphere or in other places and just use that waste. You know, we can use municipal solid waste. So we can use trash, right? We can use waste residues from forestry all of these things that have a bunch of carbon locked into them, we can use them and turn them into something more useful. And then there's no waste. We just have a circular economy. The audience here for cosmetics design may already be familiar with some of the work that Lanzatech is doing. Um, I believe you have recently made a deal with Cody so they can use this ethanol product you described in their fragrance blends. And I'm not sure if if you're working um, in the packaging space yet, but I I believe we've covered um, news of L'Oreal using uh, the sort of plastic that you've described. Absolutely. So, so first of all, the L'Oreal product is actually with, uh, in partnership with Total and with us. Mm-hmm. So that also started life as our ethanol. So the way it works typically is we produce the ethanol but we don't want to reinvent the next steps, right? The chemical industry knows how to make everything that you use in our daily lives, yes. right? All we want to do is substitute a petroleum feedstock with us, mm-hmm. okay? And so what we tend to do is we tend to work with partners like a Total 
who can take our ethanol and convert it. And what we have to do is meet their cleanliness requirement for their processing. Sure. It doesn't come from petroleum, so we clean it up in a specific way, and then we fit it for that application. With the Cody example, we spent quite a bit of time with them making sure that ethanol that was actually made to be blended with gasoline was clean enough to be used for personal care. But on the packaging side, we've delivered ethanol to a company also in India called IGL, Indian Glycol. And what they've done is they've converted it to MET, methyl ethyl glycol, which is used in making all of the fibers. So what we would do is they make the chemical intermediate that looks exactly like the fossil one. And then that gets sent to a chemical production facility can make the end products like the fibers, cosmetic brushes, um, apparel, uh, packaging. Actually, all these things are pretty much the same chemical, just shaped in a slightly different way by the end product manufacturer. It can even be blown into bottles. And so we're partnered to, to make all these products from what would end up being pollution. Sure. And that's, to be honest, that's what's really cool because I like solving multiple problems at the same time, right? If you don't let this go into the atmosphere, you don't have pollution. And then by recycling it into a product that you use, like a brush, then you keep fossil in the ground and we just get this harmonious circle. And frankly, it starts to look like mother nature. Mother nature doesn't waste anything. It reuses everything. You know, the tree buds fall on the ground. It ends up being food for the next tree. That's how we want to create harmony between the products we use and the starting materials. You know, we want the circular carbon economy. For some folks, especially maybe in the consumer space, carbon capture technology seems brand new. Um, but you have quite a history in it. Uh, Lanzatech, is, is it 10 years old already? No, so actually it's 16 years old this oh, year. Oh, well, look at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I started with the company 10 years ago. So it was founded in New Zealand by uh, Sean Simpson and his partner. And Sean is still with us. He leads our technology development. Okay. He's our chief scientific officer. And he um, founded the company because he had been working with his partner in a biology company that was using natural resources. And, and of course, some of the natural resources are not, as, not plentiful enough to substitute for the fuel, you know, chemicals supply chain, right? That mm -hmm. industry is mm -hmm. too big. And so he wanted to find something else that he could use as feedstock that was abundant, that didn't impact land, it didn't impact water, it didn't impact biodiversity. So that's how he got to gas fermentation because he knew all these polluting gases were available. And so, you know, a lot of people don't like using waste as feedstock, right? Waste is not homogeneous. Right. Waste is unpredictable. Waste is dirty. And so everybody figured 15 years ago, you would never be able to commercialize something like this because you'd never get a gas clean enough and you would never be able to optimize a bacteria to be able to survive it. And so because of that, people didn't believe you could use dirty feedstocks. But at the end of the day, you got to clean up the product. So by the time it gets through our reactor and the bacteria is done, you can't tell the difference between ethanol made this way and ethanol made in another way. And so 
that's all taken care of by the bacteria. And so, like you said, we can ensure the quality of the end product, but tailoring it for specific applications, like the Cody application did require work. And so that's why it takes 15 years, because going from an idea to the lab, you know, we're basically building refining type equipment. Sure. It takes a lot of scale. So mm -hmm. one scale, then the next, then the next, and eventually it's 15 years later, and then you've got to optimize it for applications when you're trying to do something completely new. But you know what? It works. <laughs> That's <what's cool. laughs> yeah. Tell me how many production facilities you have and, and where they're located, Jennifer. Yeah. So we have two production facilities operating now in China. Uh -huh. One's a steel mill, one's at a ferroalloy plant. These are commercial facilities. We are building one at a steel mill in Belgium, in okay. Ghent, with our solar metal. We are building one on the back end of a refinery with Indian oil in India. So we have a pretty big global reach. And what's kind of interesting too, is we have kind of a demonstration one using trash as feedstock. So we take trash and we turn it into a gas and then we convert it. And that's actually really cool because then what you can imagine is, Eventually, we throw the cosmetic brushes and the packaging away, right? Sure. And what we want to do is put it back into the circle. And so what we're doing in Japan is demonstrating with Sekisui, our partner there, that we can gasify those solids. So you can imagine someday when you're done with your cosmetic brushes, you'll return them and they'll be recycled back, giving a second chance to somebody else's cosmetic brush, starting from the circle again and again. Yeah. And, and I mean, know this concept of circularity is so important in terms of materials, in terms of economic strategy. I'm just a little curious how the whole circle works. If I think about using captured carbon in ethanol in a fragrance product, at some point, this fragrance product will be misted onto the consumer's body. What happens to the carbon at that point? And how are you then able to recapture it from the atmosphere? Yeah, and that is a great point. So there's two types of materials that we use today. One is ethanol in an aerosol, which of course will go back to the atmosphere, or mm -hmm. we make jet fuel, for example, from this ethanol and it gets burnt in an airplane, right? Mm -hmm. So it goes back to the atmosphere. But of course, if you make cosmetic brush or if you make apparel, that doesn't go back out to the atmosphere, you sequester it. So think of these as two different categories. Yes. And in the category where it does get misted into the air, all we've done really is used it twice, right? And prevented more fresh fossil carbon from coming out of the ground. Right, because carbon was going to be used in that production of ethanol either way, true? Exactly, exactly. So there you, you're helping solve the problem, but the real end game is when you can capture it and don't let it go. And so that would be yeah. your cosmetic bottles and your brushes. And here, what we need for you to do is return it when you're done with it sure. and put it back into the cycle. The other option, of course, is municipal solid waste, trash, right? Mm -hmm. Because we can also use mixed trash and convert that back. So you can imagine your long clippings and your cosmetic bottles and your tennis shoes getting dumped into the trash. And then that gets all recycled back to ethanol, which then gets converted to more apparel. So that is another way to think about that circular approach. 
obviously this is ongoing technology development. And you said you do have a facility that you use for demonstration purposes, at least, that takes mixed trash, it sounds like, and converts to gas and then is, is used to produce these various products that Lambda Tech makes. Can you talk a little bit about the challenges that you face in terms of scaling that sort of technology? It's pretty tough because we've developed a technology that has to go on the back end of something, right? Mm-hmm. Right. We can, you're not going to move the waste around and bring it to where we are. We have mm-hmm. to put ourselves where people are creating the waste. And so it is a lot of negotiation and a lot of contracts. And if you're doing municipal solid waste, of course, that requires the government. It's a lot of work, but there's also a lot of work in raising the finances, right? This technology development took hundreds of millions of dollars. And so our investors and our partners have had to contribute and building a plant is also expensive. So getting the first of a kind up and running always is an economic challenge. Yeah. Right. And so that's why it takes so long. To, to get new technologies out the door. But you see it with solar, right? Yes. There was a time, it wasn't 15 years ago, we were all laughing about when was solar actually going to have an impact. And now you can't look anywhere without a solar power plant, right? Right. And so I think that's how technology works. And so at the beginning, it's more expensive. But the more you implement, the more it comes down the cost curve. And that's why I really appreciate those early partners, mm-hmm. right? Cody, L'Oreal, Mebel, Unilever, mm-hmm. these are all companies that are working with us to help, help us get the first ones to the market. They are willing to pay more to get to the point where we can get down, you know, the cost yep. curve to enable them to then have these products available for their customers without paying any premium at all. And that's the goal. Absolutely. With partners like you've described, then you're able to not only refine, I imagine, what you've put together, but figure out how to scale it more efficiently. And then you can showcase these partnerships with uh, ingredient makers you mentioned, like Mibel or finished goods companies like Cody, and really expand on what you've developed. You cannot underestimate the importance of these brands and these partners in helping us get across this. That is so important and their willingness to participate in this is really game changing without them we would never get there from here yeah yeah and that's very important to think about i appreciate your saying that if you were to scale this out i don't know 20 or 50 years uh, can you talk about what's possible with the sort of carbon capture technology you're working on you know at the end of the day we're not going to get to zero emissions by 2050 and i know people talk about net zero versus mm-hmm. zero and i'm a big fan of of a very aggressive net zero. And I think that's gonna be critical. What I do right now is reuse carbon. We prevent carbon from getting to the atmosphere and becoming CO2. So we capture it there. What we wanna do is start to partner with people. You know, There's lots of companies and technologies that are actually taking carbon out of the air. Right. And so they can take the CO2 and grab it and make it available for our use. And I think that's the next stage is actually using the CO2 that's been directly captured from the air and converting it to all the same products. And the technology is exactly the same, sure. except that the front end will be different and we'll have to integrate with it. But I'm really excited about 
not just preventing carbon from getting to the air, but actually capturing it and using it with partners. And I'm really excited about is making other chemicals. So, so, you know, most people don't think about this, but pretty much everything in your home starts life as fossil, right? It's either petroleum or natural gas based. I want the day where everything comes from some type of recycled carbon. It doesn't have to be our technology. If we're the only ones that succeed, we've, we will have failed. We can't have an impact across everything, right? We need other companies to be successful too. And, and one thing I would say, okay, is from the perspective of making all these products in your home, we've got to be able to make other chemicals, not just ethanol directly from these gases. Right. And so if I think about 10 years from now, what I want is all of the chemicals that are precursors to the stuff you own to be produced from recycled carbon. And we are developing the technology to do that. We're developing the ability to make materials like your computer screen. We're developing the ability to make carpet fiber. Yeah. We're developing the ability to make seat belts. Can you imagine someday having a recycled emission from a steel mill be used to make the fuel that goes in the plane, be used to make the seat belts, be used to make the foam seats, be used to make the carbon fiber, right? That's what I want. Help me think about a real closed loop situation. In my imagination, it seems like you could use this captured carbon to create a fuel that would power a manufacturing facility that would also then put off other carbon and then go back through the fuel cycle. Is that, is that possible or is there energy is. lost somewhere or? Well, you are going to lose energy because whenever you, you make anything, you always use energy. I have yes. compressors, right? And they take energy. But I think if we decarbonize the grid, right? Mm -hmm. If we turn all of that grid to green electrons, green, green electricity, we will be able to then use that power to drive our chemical processing because every chemical process requires energy. But if we can use green electricity, then your vision of a manufacturing facility, they'll use green electricity, run the manufacturing and all the waste, right? When you manufacture something, there's always waste can be then converted back to the raw materials that they use, right? right. That's what you want. You want customers to return products to the store you want then us to be able to take those products and recycle them so post-consumer good but you could also do all the waste in the manufacturing plant and all of these things yeah you're using biotechnology to do this. I've had the occasion to visit other biotech manufacturing facilities and often there's actually waste from the feedstock. So it's interesting to think that that waste of biotech could eventually also help create the fuel yeah. to keep that production facility running. It's so interesting to, to imagine what's possible if you think in a circle, which you know gets a bad rap, circular thinking, but it might not be a, a bad idea. We have to stop throwing stuff away. We, we can't. We, we, we can't afford it anymore. I mean, we, we're choking ourselves, right? I mean, oceans and air and all of this, we, we're going to have to adapt to this whole circular future. And to be honest, and that's why I appreciate having a conversation with you, we need to show the world it's possible. Yes, absolutely.
Well, I think the most important thing to share is that there's enough carbon above ground. We need to use that. And, and we just want to get to a world where basically there is no such thing as waste, right? Where we reuse it. And you said something very important early on. How did we get to a linear economy? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always like to tell people, you know, we don't think of carbon as being precious, right? So we throw it away. And we think of carbon and diamonds as being precious, right? Yeah. We lock that away. So we got to think of all carbon as being precious, every single carbon atom, and we need to reuse it over and over again. And that's what I would say to you is there's so much potential. We can do this. We just have to want to do it. Thank you so much for your time, Jennifer. I've enjoyed having you here on Speaking of Beauty today. Thank you so much. Speaking of Beauty is a production of CosmeticsDesign.com. Music by Kevin McLeod. My name is Deanna Utrusky. Thank you for listening, and please join me again next time on Speaking of Beauty.